Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. Hello and welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series for Tasmanian tourism operators and professionals. Talking Tourism is an initiative of Tourism Ministry Council Tasmania, or TICT, the peak industry body for tourism in the beautiful state of Tasmania. I'm your host today, Luke Martin, and my day job is a CEO of TICT. This edition of Talking Tourism forms part of a series we've been releasing every fortnight since the COVID-19 crisis began in March to keep Tasmanian tourism operators and industry stakeholders engaged and informed about the latest developments as we work through the crisis and onto our recovery. We also feature conversations with local industry leaders, tourism gurus, and just operators from right across the state about their lived experience and industry insights as we all make our way through these most extraordinary times, particularly for people in the tourism industry. We acknowledge the support of the Tasmanian Government through Tourism Tasmania and the Department of State Growth in making these episodes possible. Also today, we are recording right off the back of National Reconciliation Week, and I do want to acknowledge the Tasmanian Aboriginal people, their elders, past, present and emerging, and their enduring custodianship and belonging to these lands, Ludrawida, Tasmania. In this episode, I'm joined by Dr Daniel Hanna. Daniel is a well-known face to many in the tourism and hospitality industry through his current role as Director of Corporate Affairs and Regulation for Federal Group, but also previously in his role as CEO of TICT. How many years ago was that, Daniel? You're about to age us both. I think uh, I left about nine years ago, a bit over nine years ago. I think that's telling us both something. Uh, so, <laughs> Daniel was my previous... I had previous... a lot more hair back then. <laughs> yeah, and I was a lot younger and uh, slimmer faced. Firstly, Daniel, thanks for joining us. I want, we, we're going to do two things in this series. Firstly, obviously, Federals is the largest employer in our tourism and hospitality sectors and obviously also in the, you know, the largest private sector employer in the state. So just get your insights on behalf of the company because uh, obviously um, I think operators at all levels of the industry will be interested to see where you see the lay of the land. And then obviously, uh, second to that, you've um, undertaken some uh, some interesting polling, which you're going to share with us about um, Tasmanians' attitudes and working through COVID. So thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure. I won't go over what's happened over the last two months, but how many employees have federals had to either stand down or put on JobKeeper in the last two months? Uh, unfortunately, a vast majority. Um, when we came into the crisis and the lockdown, we had um, a little over 1,900 employees. I think at last check, we had um, somewhere around about 1,600 that we had to either stand down or, in the case of casuals, um, not provide them with any shifts. So that was... Uh, Pretty devastating, I think, for everyone concerned. We never thought we'd have to take those sort of actions. Um, so we really just got a, a skeleton crew who are on. The only business of ours that's still running in Tasmania really is the, uh, the 911 retail yeah. liquor chain. So that's probably where a majority of those employees that are still on deck are located. Yeah, and I think I've heard you comment that in the 40-plus year history of Rest Point, it's the first time it's ever closed its doors. Absolutely, yeah, we... Uh, when we locked the doors, we, we were getting a little bit of, of work in providing for quarantining people coming back into the state, but that uh, wound up a week or two ago. And uh, I think in the, the 47 years that Rest Point has been open, it's never, ever locked its doors, but it, it's got them locked right now. And, um, unfortunately, it's a pretty sad sight when you walk down around the site that's usually vibrant and buzzing and lots of people around and see a um, 
an empty car park, locked doors and lights off. Yeah, certainly in our industry, you you uh, never want to see those sort of things. No, and things the last thing you'd ever expect and can envisage is uh, is you know properties that, as you say, even even in a quiet time, you'll see people working and buzzing away or cleaning or work, and and to see it absolutely dormant must just always be a bit, sh- a bit shattering. Do you think we passed the worst of it? Do you see the light at the end of the tunnel? Are you guys planning now around recovery or are you still very much in that shutdown mindset? Uh, no, we're, we're – and I, to answer your first question, I think we are through the worst of it. Um, <clears throat> touch wood. Uh, I think Tasmania and indeed our nation uh, has handled the pandemic very well and unfortunately part of that meant significant restrictions that I'm sure governments never thought they'd have to impose on tourism and hospitality, so including mass gatherings and and travel and having borders essentially closed between states. So uh, I think we are through the worst of it. If you look now, got uh, very, very few active cases still in Australia and very, very, very few in Tasmania. Yeah. That should give us confidence that we're, that we're now looking at how we, how we reopen, at what pace, uh, what restrictions get eased first. So we're certainly planning now around our businesses uh, getting ready for reopening. Um, yep. We don't think it's it's certainly going to be staged. It's not going to be a case of just opening the doors and the customers come flowing back in. It's going to be uh, complex, challenging. There'll be uh, limited demand for some parts of our business for quite a period of time. But we're, the good news is we're planning now for the reopening. We're not just shut down and wondering When's... when and if and how we'll ever reopen. So you've got assets at all levels of the industry, you know, in terms of the importance of some of your regional pubs to, you know, F and B offerings in in regional destinations across the state. Um, obviously, major employers in the hospitality sector in in you know small communities, right through to obviously what you know in our industry would be most familiar with the casinos plus Sapphire and Mac One Henry Jones. So, do you see them all? Opening around the same time, or is it a scale up over two or three months? Is um, you know, for example, when 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 would Sapphire, for example, be on the on on the? Yeah, we're. Um, I think it's certainly going to be a scale up. I think the restrictions on Tasmanians starting to travel within their own state and starting to go out to hospitality venues again. I think those parts of our business that are more locally focused will be the earlier ones to reopen. I think the probably unfortunately the last businesses will will be those that are heavily reliant on on interstate travel and and don't have much potential for an intrastate market. Yeah. I think you'll find Sapphire will, you know, we'll, we'll, we're certainly having a look at whether there's an opportunity to open for the intrastate market in a limited way maybe later this month in June. We'll, we'll certainly give it a go. It might be a case of, well, you, you just sort of take bookings on three nights a week over yeah. the weekend and, and sort of forget the rest of the week and, and and see how it goes, gradually scale it up. But certainly for our uh, our accommodation businesses, for Sapphire, for Henry Jones Art Hotel, for Mac One, they're you know, they're ninety percent uh, interstate and international travel. So we'll probably won't be scaling them them up until the borders are open. In a different podcast today, we we're talking about the complete other end of the scale, small small businesses with David Reed about how to manage their yield and you know look understanding their cost structures. The reality for you. And those properties, and be true for all the major hotel operators around Tasmania, is that uh, it's you know you, you, the costs of just simply opening are, are just on a different level to what you know, any other tourist attraction generally would be, isn't it? I mean, if you talk about a property like Mac One, for example, multiple bars, multiple dining options, certain yeah. level of standard, it's it's quite an it's quite an undertaking, isn't it? So, long-winded yeah. way of saying, 
Do you have a thought process as a company around, say, for example, when you will take bookings from interstate visitors or when border restrictions potentially might uh, not be the factor they are currently? Yeah, and and that's the the difficult part is we don't really have clarity yet on that. I think for uh, the Tasmanian market, we've got some clarity through the three-stage process that Tasmanian government's announced, which means that by mid-July we should have uh, our Tasmanian focused businesses able to uh, able to reopen. It might not be in the same manner as they were, but they'll certainly be able to reopen. I'd like to think that the borders can open not too far after then. I, I would hope that once each state and territory has uh, shown demonstrated good results in terms of handling the pandemic, where there's clear indication that businesses have really strong protocols in place, where they the government can feel comfortable that citizens have adjusted to the new normal. You know, they've downloaded the app. They are respecting social distancing. They're not going out if they're showing any symptoms of, of a cold or flu or, or we're still COVID-19. Then I think we can start opening up, up the borders. I think that's going to be absolutely critical for the, for the accommodation sector. And you know, one thing is Tasmania, we've got, we've got, I think we've got to move in line with uh, with other states and territories, we know that Victoria and New South Wales, to a lesser extent Queensland, are the absolute key markets. And yeah. when those states start reopening and there's flow between them, Tasmania's got to be there as an option. Yeah, absolutely. So seven out of, I think I was looking at the numbers yesterday, 70, 70, seven out of 10 visitors from Victoria and New South Wales. So it's a bit of perspective about talk around travel bubbles to the to the smaller states. I mean, you know, yes, they have some value, but clearly the main game is going to continue to be those major southeastern seaboard states. Uh, I mean, asked about how many staff you had on JobKeeper because the company's been quite vocal about particularly the foreign workers issue, plus also, I guess, the ticking clock that is JobKeeper expiring in September. Obviously, there's an issue there for every operator who's currently managing JobKeeper for themselves or for their staff around the uncertainty about post that period about their income. I guess, do you want to expand on your thoughts around what that might look like in terms of the need to mm. maintain some support for some parts of our sectors? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the JobKeeper program was obviously rushed out in a, a very short period of time by the Australian government. And I think on the whole, they did a, a fantastic job with it. Um, it's been a, a, a lifesaver for us uh, as a company. We've got somewhere between fourteen and 1,500 of our people that are on JobKeeper, mm. obviously the only ones that don't qualify were the casuals that were shorter term and also the foreign-based workers. But it's been a, a really good program. And, look, it's never going to be perfect rolling out a, a, pro- a huge program like this at short notice, but I think they've done a, a pretty good job and I'd certainly give them a tick for that. And, look, and look the, uh, the extension of it, beyond, uh, there's a real crunch point coming at the end of September. I think if um, it's very likely the economy is not going to be back up and running the way it was. Um, Industries like hospitality and particularly tourism, and I'm thinking the accommodation uh, and experience sector where you're reliant on interstate and international travel, very unlikely that they're going to be up and, and running the way they would normally be by the end of September. So I'm I'm very sure that there's going to be a need to extend JobKeeper beyond that for some parts of the economy, maybe not all parts, but I think tourism and hospitality would have to be up the top of the list of industries for consideration. Yeah. So, um, so do you see the current model, you know, ideally? I mean, again, there are, there are 
few major employers in the sector across the country. Um, you're one of them. Um, do you see the current model being the optimum model or would you see JobKeeper morphing into something else for our sectors? Uh, look, not sure on that. I think that the JobKeeper model has, as I said, it's not been perfect, but I think on the whole it's it's been reasonably well understood. I would be probably reticent to go and change it and create a new program. I think extending the existing program would probably be a better way to go, yeah. uh, given that we've got people used to how, how this works. I think then trying to come up with a new set of rules might be uh, – it, it may cause more problems than it, than it solves. So I would certainly consider that. I think the one area where the Australian government has really uh, missed the mark here, I think, is, is – uh, foreign workers. Yeah, um, we've been very outspoken on this. Week. So, how many do you? How many did you have on the books? We have about 185 temporary visa holders working yeah. with us when we were forced to, to shut down in March. They're on a variety of, of different visas. They do jobs right throughout our businesses: Sapphire, Henry Jones, Mac One, our two casinos, and you know, they were part of our family. They're uh, they're our workers. You know, we treat them the same way we would any of our other workers. So we, we've been you know, really disappointed that JobKeeper or some form of job seeker allowance isn't available to them. Yeah. After saying that, we've gone about the task, and I know lots of tourism operators are doing the same in helping out their, their foreign-based workers. We, we've sort of become like a welfare agency, I guess. We, we early days got a welfare consultant in to give us some advice, mm. and then we've, we've had someone full-time just working with what we call our, our vulnerable people, and a large majority of them are our temporary visa holders. So we've been providing active assistance, whether it's um, accommodation, uh, food hampers, the like, just to keep people going. Yeah. Um, a lot yeah, of I, I, money. I think it's always, sorry. Go on. I was just going to say a lot of the money has been going back home, almost, mm-hmm. uh, or indeed they've they've been permanent residents for a long time, and just the inability to have any cash reserve. And suddenly, yeah. uh, almost overnight, their their livelihoods ended, and um, obviously, family <clears throat> perhaps back home not in a position to send money over. I mean, it's just absolute, you know, horrible situation for so many of these guys to be stuck, to be left in. And what two months in, we still don't really have a resolution for it. No, that's right. And, and look, it's, if it, so many Australian young people, as part of their growing up, do this, they they go overseas, they work, they get skills that are valuable, they. They may stay in those countries or they come back home. I know that we'd want our our family members looked after in in countries that are that are hosting them and, and I think Australia is, it's a one area that I'm disappointed in. I yeah. think we could have we could have done the right thing here and supported these people. No one you know, often it's it, they can't go back home, their flights have been cancelled, they don't have the money to do it, or they're going back to places that are being absolutely ravaged by yeah. COVID-19. Or, or, so, or uh, just the logistics of actually getting a flight to back home yeah. to, you know, some of these, you know, some of these particularly Southeast Asian countries. I mean, the flight networks are completely broken down. So trying to actually get out um, the cost involved and the logistics just beyond the scope of normality and, you know, yeah, just, yeah. Anyway. Let's Again, a tick, a tick for the Tassie government, though, at least they, they've sort of uh, put up their hand and, and said, well, look, if the, if the Australian government won't support, then we'll, we'll provide some support where we can. Um, obviously, they're, they're limited by resources in what they can do, but uh, that's that's been really good. I think that's been a real um, leadership role shown by the Tassie government. And as you say, employers like yourselves, obviously, you know, one extreme, but I know, you know employers all over, over the state who you know, certainly haven't 
left their uh, left their workers um, on, by and large haven't left them in the lurch. There's employers doing similar experiences to you about whether it's housing or some basic um, sustenance and support for for their staff, which in many cases are in regional parts of the state. So. In remote parts of the state. Let's move on to this poll research. So you've mm. released this today. Explain to us why, what, what is it and what have you done and why? Well, I guess like the rest of the industry, um, we've grappled with the questions of how is COVID-19 going to impact on, on people and their way they think and behave and their propensity to either go out and into social environments or to travel again we're not quite sure exactly what that looks like. Now, increasingly, companies are starting to look at this at a global level and a national level, but we didn't have, we couldn't really find any data about what Tasmanians were thinking, mm. and that was the group that we were initially focused on. So we decided to, you know, and as the the, kind of the, the company with the biggest scale in the state, we thought this is something we can do on behalf of the industry is to do some research. So we, we engaged MRS. They've done uh, over the last week an initial survey with a 1,000 Tasmanians and they're going to replicate that survey every three weeks with a, a slightly smaller number, like so a pulse tracking yep. survey. Yep. And then we'll be releasing those results to the rest of the industry and also publicly so that uh, they understand how COVID-19 and the restrictions are impacting on the way Tasmanians are behaving, they're acting, and then what their intentions are as the restrictions get released. Uh, so, we, look, we think it's a, a really important thing to do and, and, you know, we're really proud to do it. Yeah, absolutely, and I think everyone's going to find this um, absolutely fascinating as we start deep diving into it. First first outcome I saw, which surprised me, is that 47% of Tasmanians say they've downloaded the COVID Safe app and another 6% say they would download it. That, to me, when you do those maths, is much higher than what they, the national, national rate has been, isn't it? That's pleasantly surprising. That was really pleasing to see because I know the Tasmanian government's made it very clear that that's one of the... Um, key planks, if you like, of being able to reopen up the industry is that they're able to track people should there ever be cases or, or an outbreak again, and that downloading the app is the best way to do that. So 47% with another six saying that they will, that's, we believe, well above the national average. Mm. If you think that we're at just over 6 million downloads nationally of a, a population of 16 million smartphones, which puts the national rate at sort of 35 to 40%, we're well above that. I think Tasmanians are doing the right thing there uh, and clearly that should give the government some comfort that that people are taking their taking personal actions to make themselves safer. The other thing that they're doing that I think is complementing that is we found that everyone is implementing social distancing. They're all adhering to the to the new guidelines. It's one of the it's a phrase that we hadn't heard of months ago, mm. but now Everyone has learnt what it means and they're doing it. We found that 97% of people are either adhering to social distancing all the time or most of the time. Uh, that's real. I think those two things together should give government a lot of comfort that people, when they do go out into social environments, they are going to be careful. They'll have their phone with the app on and Bluetooth enabled. They will respect social distancing. And it also probably says to business too that, if you're not providing a, a, a socially safe environment, the, the customers may not come to you. They may go to other places that will do it. 
And you're exactly right about the app. One of the, the clear measures is and concerns is someone, uh, either a local, and if, if the, the virus is still circulating in Tasmania or indeed when interstate visitors come into the state, that someone, uh, God forbid, that goes into a regional town of Tasmania and, and causes an outbreak. So these basic provisions that they're saying we need to get right, download the app, um, and obviously know the know the rules and know that no social distancing standards or you know what will probably by by the time this becomes a real issue just normal social behavior is being ingrained already within the community it's encouraging isn't it yeah it, it certainly is another thing that the survey clearly showed is that most Tasmanians believe that social distancing is going to be in place for the medium to long term yeah so they're expecting to have to do that when they do go out into social environments the other thing that we've found that Tasmanians are really concerned about is uh, that businesses have really strong cleaning and hygiene practices. That came through absolutely. The, that that was very, very important for over 80% of all respondents that they could see strong cleaning and hygiene protocols and practices that were clearly visible to them yeah. um, if they were to feel comfortable going out to those businesses. So yeah. anyone that's, I think, going to be reopening, and, and this is certainly something that we're taking the coming weeks to to clearly get right, is our cleaning and hygiene because um, if we don't get, it will add cost, we know that, but it's it's absolutely worth it. If you, if you want to have a business over the next year or two, I think uh, everyone's going to have to uh, have to pitch in and, and make sure that they get this right. And a, a bit of a um, indulgent plug: we are with these podcasts launching access to COVID business practices, um, safe uh, cleaning practices um, module as part of our, the accreditation program, which operators are strongly encouraged to use and download, which is all about building procedures and practices in place, exactly like you do for your business operations. This is just another add add on of your normal quality assurance principles that this industry is very good at doing, take advantage of that. And obviously also the COVID safe business plans that the state government's requiring everyone to have in place, plus the training that's available. The THA is making some some great uh, online, uh, simple, practical training available for anyone, particularly in the hospitality game. So there's a lot of support out there. And, and as the research you're, you're referring to, Daniel, is showing that the, the consumers are going to be looking for it. So um, mm. no excuse. Now, this is an interesting one to me too. People's intentions to go to a hospitality operation, particularly, is unlikely, hasn't changed much from pre-COVID. No, no. And that was, I guess, something that we were hopeful that we would see, but we weren't sure. Uh, So we asked people pre-COVID, how often did you go out to cafes, restaurants, pubs or clubs? particularly, and we then asked them, well, what is your intention once the restrictions are, are eased and you're able to do this again? How likely are you and how often will you go? And what we found it is it really has not shifted people uh, people's intention of how they, how they are likely to behave at all. They're really keen to get back out to restaurants, cafes, pubs, clubs, and also to, to travel within their own state. Yeah, I saw that. So, so this number's really critical. This is the one that's the money one for our operators concerned about how big that interstate market will be. Uh, run through these numbers for us. People who are likely to travel in the next three months is quite high. Yeah, that, that's right. So we looked at how many, um, how many people, we asked them again, you know, how, how often did you travel within Tasmania and the question was was quite clear we said how often did you travel within Tasmania and stayed overnight in paid accommodation so that was that was the basis of the question we found that people's responses were about two-thirds of them said that they do that you know, up to 
up to you know, once a year or more often. And we then asked them, uh, how likely are you to do it moving forward? And it actually grew. It was up to over 70%, 72% said that they would plan to take a trip uh, at least once a year yeah. in overnight overnight trip in paid accommodation. And importantly, most of those were saying they'd like to do it within the next three months. Yeah. There's, some, there's some who are just itching to do it who said, you know, Probably thirty percent of them said within the next month or within a month of being they're, allowed. They're, to, they're, they're obviously yeah. all the families, Daniel, who have kids have been at home and are looking <laughs> at those July school holidays, thinking, "Oh my God, I'm going to be at home for another two weeks. Get me out." That's me. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. <laughs> We've all been there, I think. That's <laughs> yeah. So, so that's really encouraging. So, there's been a few suggestions that um, perhaps people will be reluctant to get out and about, and still, even when restrictions restrictions are eased, but people are certainly intending to wanting to get into a hospitality operation as soon as they can, if they're not already. And we're already seeing that from some of the reports coming through about dining numbers coming through from some restaurants are good within the bounds of small numbers, but um, this getting out and around to travel around the state, we've been three months, it's it's well over half or basically half, 50% of respondents said they, they intend to make a trip within the state. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, it's a good sign. Now, remember, it's always intention is one thing, but then uh, what people actually do is uh, is another. And um, so we've uh, that's where both government and the industry, I think, have a, an obligation now to both encourage people to, to do that, but also let them... Uh, know that it's going to be safe when they do. So that's where I think some appropriate stimulus activity, but also some uh, public information, if you like, to tell them that you know, this, this will be a safe thing to do yeah. to to get out and travel again. Uh, and then, as I said, if, if businesses have all got the right protocols and practices in place, um, we can expect at least the intrastate market uh, can get back to where it was and maybe even a, a, a little bit of growth from where it was. Absolutely. And I, I guess also, and to dovetail that for communities that are concerned and people, you know, clearly there are, there are a lot of Tasmanians who are concerned about uh, the potential risk of people coming to their, their backyard. So, so again, building that confidence circle completely. So for people to get out and about, but also for the places they're going to, to be confident to know that everyone's doing the right thing. And um, and if there is a if there was an incident or an outbreak that uh, ideally the procedures in place, particularly with the app that people are uh, they're able to be tracked. This is probably the other one that really got me. Tasmanians are deeply concerned about the impact on the economy and, and particularly our local businesses and um, more yeah. so than our health. Um, that's a very interesting one. Yeah, it certainly was. Um, we, we asked Tasmanians about their concern. This is actually the first question in the survey. Um, and we prompted them with six areas and they, they were asked, you know, how concerned are you um, from very concerned and not at all concerned about their, your personal health or the health of your family, your personal or health or family finances, your personal life or local businesses or Tasmanian jobs or the Tasmanian economy. And what we found really surprised us that people are far less concerned about those personal issues of their own health, their mm. own finances or restrictions on their personal life and are most worried about What's this society and economy going to look like when when lockdowns and restrictions end? They're, yeah. they're worried about impact on local businesses. They're worried about the loss of jobs, and they're worried about the Tasmanian economy. That's partly, I think, a, a sign of success for governments that they have actually managed the issues around around COVID nineteen and the spread of the pandemic quite well. So people are not now concerned about their own 
you know, catching COVID-19 and what it might do to their health or that of their family, but they are really worried about what's that economy going to look like, how many jobs are going to be out there for my family members and the people I know, and what about those local businesses that uh, that are also the people that I know well. So, uh, so that's just, you know, governments have now got to kind of shift that focus to making sure they can address those issues. And the takeout for a small operator listening is that, so we know that they have a strong predisposition to want to get out and explore the state, or a large percentage of the population does. large percentage of the population are doing the right thing around knowing their social distancing measures and have downloaded the app. They're keen to get into restaurants, hospitality operations as soon as they can and, and not concerned, and they're keen to support local businesses. So you put that all together, book direct, Get on the front foot. You're going to have a, a you know, highly engaged audience of Tasmanians that uh, are going to be looking to want to get out and support local businesses and you've just got to make sure they see your business up in lights when they're making those consumer decisions in a, what's going to be a pretty tough economy. Yeah, that's right. So really the results on the whole are quite encouraging, I think. Uh, it does demonstrate that there, there, there can be a, a not a snapback but a, a, a solid return back to business for those that are servicing locals in the short to medium term, yeah. um, obviously those of us who are then focused on the interstate economy will will have to wait a little while longer, but we're hopeful because the, the other research certainly shows that the Tasmanian brand is still strong and if our borders are open as the country opens up, then I think we're well placed to pick that up. Um, obviously, international travel is the, the third part of that and that's unknown and I think everyone's probably assuming that that's not going to be something that happens to any significant level for the short to medium term and we're, we're probably looking into next calendar year before we've got any return to international travel into Tasmania. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're going to be, uh, in the meantime, we'll be uh, trying to think of every Kiwi uh, cousin, friend, family member, uh, former colleague that we can to invite them over because that might be about <laughs> it for international for the foreseeable future. Daniel, um, thank you for sharing that with us. So just to recap, you're making them available today and we'll put some of those uh, headline uh, stats out with this podcast. People can track them. You, and then every three weeks you'll be releasing... That, as you say, that pulse check to, to the industry, will that be made available as well? Yeah, abs- absolutely. Uh, our plans to uh, make this available, share it with um, with the TICT and so um, through the TICT, through your audience in the uh, in the tourism industry and you know, encourage people to, to use it as they will um, as they start to plan the, the rebuilding of their businesses. And uh, I know for, for many people like us, you're, you're uh, just hoping to to keep your head above water at the moment, but this hopefully can give people some comfort that it's worth planning to reopen again because um, it looks like we will be, we will get an industry back. Yep. It's not going to look the same way and it may not get back to the levels again that it was for some period of time. But uh, long term, I think, yeah, our company's still got a lot of a lot of hope and a lot of confidence in Tasmania, and and I think everybody else should too. Well, I was going to finish on that. Um, the reality is, there's, there's a lot of interest in everything Federals does because of the scale of what you are and because of the success of some of the the icon products that we all are familiar with. As a company, you, you announced last week a major rejuvenation of the Country Club and a vision for the Country Club. You've got other aspirations, I know, around around the casinos particularly and and other sites. No backing, no backing track. That's still still systems go in terms of that that hot confidence and aspiration in the long term future of the industry. Yeah, uh, yes. Long term, we, we still have a lot of confidence, and, and we've got plans to to reinvest. Obviously, our, uh, like most people, I guess our, our 
our plans from six months or from three months ago have taken a quite a rapid shift. Uh, we've taken a big dent with um, um, the reality of COVID-19 and, and the impact on our business. So we've had to reevaluate everything. But yeah, we've, with regard to Country Club Estate, we, uh, we have uh, partners in that project. Um, there's a heavy residential component of that one, but obviously the big tourism element will be a uh, a big upgrade of the Country Club Golf Course by an um, internationally renowned golf course designer, Bo Welling Design, uh, who works with Tiger Woods. We think that'll be that'll be uh, yeah. extremely positive for Tasmanian tourism, especially well. with the success of places like Barn Boogle and Lost Barn. So that that is is one project that we're we're very keen to proceed with. It is a long term one over over the next ten years. And then obviously as we get our businesses up and running again and we start to get a sense for what the new normal looks like, you know, hopefully we can we can start those plans again for new developments because that's something that's always exciting in our sector is the is the what's next, what's, uh, what's the new development, is, what's yeah. the new initiative look like and it'll be great to get back to thinking about those times again. Yeah, it will be. Uh, well, in the meantime, thank you for sharing that research with us. Um, that is, um, again, there's a lot of lot of cost and value into that data, and um, again, it's a it's a selfless thing to do to make it available to the broader industry. So, we do appreciate it. We'll keep those uh, numbers coming through. And um, thanks for your time, Daniel. It's been a, a good conversation, and um, I hope a lot of our listeners got some insights out of it. Absolute pleasure, Luke. Um, always happy to talk. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thank you. <laughs> uh, this is Talking Tourism, with Luke Martin. Remember to check into some of our other episodes that we've released today and we'll be back in a couple of weeks with some more episodes as we make our way through the COVID-19 crisis and onto our recovery. Um, thanks for listening. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism. 